Oftentimes in the home design world, you'll see a correlation and a direct correlation with what's happening in the fashion industry. Same thing with the entertainment industry. Not always, they don't always go hand in hand, but in this case, they do. Today we're talking about a new or an old but new to us home design trend that is quite lovely. It is carrying over into the fashion world, the fashion arena, and it's something that you might want to pay attention to. If you're redesigning or redecorating, refreshing your space this summer, this is a trend, not even a trend because it is classic. It is very, the longevity of this design has proven the test of time. So trend, it's not, but it is making its reappearance. And that's a good thing. So pay attention to it. And maybe it'll inspire you as you make your home design decisions moving forward. All right, friends, are you curious what it is? Enjoy today's show. We grew up with the phrase, home is where the heart is. But our culture has shifted. And now the message is home should be Pinterest perfect. I'm calling BS on that message. Home, it's not about the stuff. It's about the story. And whether you know it or not, your home is a reflection of you and is already saying something. So what is it that you want it to say? Hey, I'm Danny, a former first grade teacher turned home decorator. Going from a dual income to a single income so I could stay home with my babies meant budget, like ramen eating, Goodwill shopping budget. And I learned a few things along the way, like how to bring big style to your home without breaking the bank. And I'm sharing it all with you tips, tricks, decor, and design advice so you can learn to tell your story with your style, where you can start living free from the Pinterest perfect trap and start living a life of intention. Welcome to Fig and Farm at Home, where we design happy living and where it doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. We are hitting a fun milestone here at Fig and Farm at Home. Next week, it is the two-year podcast anniversary, the two-year celebration, and I want to celebrate with all of you. We are going to be having a little bit different of an episode next week. I have been receiving questions over the past two years a little bit about getting to know me, who Danny is behind Fig and Farm at Home, what happens in the life of a podcaster, what does it look like to make money doing this job, all the things. So next week, that's what we're talking about. If you have a question that you want answered, that you're dying to know, I am an open book. Literally, I wear my answers on my sleeves. <laughs> you can send me an send me an email, send me a question at hello at figandfarmathome.com. You can go to my website, figandfarmathome.com, and go all the way to the bottom and leave me a speak pipe. That's a voice recording. Or you can pop onto my Instagram at Fig and Farm and leave me a question there. Of course, if you're part of the Facebook community, you can ask in there as well. Ask all your questions. What do you want to know? We are diving in and we're going to be sharing all next week in our two-year podcast anniversary. And I also want to let you know, too, that we are having a contest. So make sure that if you have not left a review yet, you're going to want to. And if you have not shared the show with a friend, you're going to want to. You're going to hear all about how you can enter to win a couple fun prizes that I hope will inspire you to make change in your home this summer. You're going to hear all the details about that next week. All right, friends, here we are in today's episode talking about a decorating style 
that has been around for a while. In fact, it's something that really is infused into so many other styles and is definitely infused into the way I teach you how to care for, love, and decorate your home. A lot of the things that you're going to hear are things that you've heard me say over and over again. But this style has a name. And a lot of times in the design community, just like in most of the world, we like to put a nice little package, a nice little label onto these things in order to make them relatable. We like to give them some sort of identifier. And so if you hear me talk about your style and how your style is unique to you, that is very true. But there are some characteristics and some qualities that make these styles different than the other one. We're going to be talking about another one too that is completely opposite of this one today, but we're talking about that later in the summer. It's quite remarkable. It will be a fun, (laughs) it will be a fun episode to dive into. But today we are going quiet. Yes. Did you hear my voice go quiet? I hope you did because this design style is called quiet luxury. Now, when I first heard about this, I asked my husband, I asked Greg, Mr. Fig and Farm, what do you think that means? He nailed it on the head. So I'm going to ask all of you, what do you think quiet luxury means? Yep. If you guessed simplicity, if you guessed not loud, if you guessed quality pieces, you have hit the nail on the head. Now, these are things that we have infused into home design Anyway, the teaching of home design here at Fig and Farm talks about a lot of these elements, but we're going to break it down and talk a little bit about what quiet luxury means in the design world. Because design, home design, as well as fashion, those two intersect a lot. And if you see things that are popping up in the fashion world, chances are it is also parallel in the home design world. And that's no different here in this case. All right, here is what the Everyday Girl blog has to say about quiet luxury. They say it's definitely luxurious, but the classic style is warm and inviting rather than overly sophisticated and ostentatious. The understated understated aesthetic incorporates earthy elements, muted color palettes, natural textures, high quality sustainable materials, and an overall sense of relaxed elegance. Now, when I think about this and I think about it in terms of fashion, the person that immediately comes to mind, and some of you listening may not know who this is, but Carolyn Bassett Kennedy. Do you remember her? JFK Jr.'s wife. Simple, sophisticated, classic, very quiet, luxurious fashion sense. And it was understated, but she always looked elegant. When I think about today and who we might know in terms of I don't even think they're a fashionista necessarily, but someone who we might have as recognizable in maybe the celebrity realm would be Gwyneth Paltrow. She, to me, embodies this idea of quiet luxury, and she has been a little bit more on the center stage, the front stage with her recent trial, and I'm not going into that. I have no really idea of what happened, but That is an example. She's an example of what quiet luxury looks like when you think about high quality pieces, but no recognizable name brand. There's no ostentation screaming at us to say, look at me, look at me, look at me. So we're going to dive into what quiet luxury means in your home and 
give you some ideas and tips for how you can bring it in if that is what you're hoping for. So if we think of something that is ostentatious, we're thinking something that is on display in a pretentious way. It might be a little bit vulgar. It's designed to impress or attract attention. And quiet luxury is the exact opposite of that. There is no ostentatious quality about having a quiet, luxurious home. So if we think about these words, what it means to you is what really matters. How you interpret these terms is what's going to help you decide if this is what you want to bring and infuse into your home style or not. Or maybe you already have it. But when we're thinking about it, we think about simplicity, refinement, a serene or a calming space, sophistication, timelessness, classic, quality, and I'm going to throw in another one, minimalism. And I don't necessarily mean tiny house, but I mean not a lot of excess. So when you're decorating your home anyway, we don't talk about this a whole lot, but we really should. Sometimes your space can look heavy, heavy in one area rather than light. In fact, I was just talking to a client recently who wanted to have and bring in kind of a California casual home design into her kitchen. And it was headed that way beautifully. Lots of lights and brights and airy and light wood tones and some brass to really warm up the space. But then adjacent to that room was her open concept living area. And it was almost as if a shade had been drawn, a curtain had been laid right there, a line had been drawn, and what you saw between this light and bright and airy morphed into a heaviness that was represented by the color of the couch, the color of the table, the color of the the dining room chairs, the color of the bookshelf, and it created a heaviness that was completely opposite and contrasting the lightness that she was trying to bring. And heaviness can happen in terms of paint. Heaviness can happen in terms of the bulk or breadth of a piece of furniture. It can happen in terms of color. It can happen in terms of the material that is being used. Heaviness can happen in so many different ways in your home. And it's really important, especially when we're designing a quiet luxury space or thinking about that, that we have an equal balance. So it is okay to have a heavy piece. Maybe it's heavy in nature and size of bulk, but we want to have balance with that somewhere else. And design in your space really should be balanced anyway, but it's especially prevalent in quiet luxury. Because what you don't want is something to be commanding and demanding attention in your home's design in a way that just brings attention to it. We want it to blend harmoniously. We want it to feel fluid and light. We want it to feel like your eye can linger from one piece to the next and it will go steadily and smoothly and easily all the way around your space without being drawn to a piece that commands attention in a heavy way. And it doesn't have to be an ostentatious way. It can just be a heavy way. So for example, if we were taking a peek at a living room that feels like the lines of the furniture are all in uh, in agreement with each other, they are maybe minimalist lines, clean lines, and you have all 
kind of white furniture and maybe some camel accents, maybe some camel colored leather chairs. And those leather chairs are bulky rather than clean lined. Your eye might stop a little or jar just a little bit at the bulkiness of the leather furniture. But you could still have the representation and you could still balance it out using a more clean lined, a more petite structure of furniture. That's what we mean by balance. There's a balance between minimalism and maximalism. Quiet luxury is not minimalism in the sense that you have one couch, no area rug, one chair, one coffee table with one plant on it. <laughs> That's not what we're meaning here. But it is a extreme lack of excess. It is quiet. And a lot of times clutter can cause visual chaos. In fact, that's what I call it. It's visually chaotic. And that visual chaos can create an imbalance for you in so many ways, in uh, time restraints, in the way that you interact with your family, in anxiety producing. Clutter can cause all of those things. But when you remove it, there becomes a quiet. You're no longer being your time is not being dictated by the clutter that you're managing in order to have dinner, for example, in order to remove the things off your your literal counter in order to prep dinner. So it creates a quiet space for you. And you can't have a quiet space if you have stuff everywhere. But quiet luxury is not maximalism either. In maximalism, we talked about clutter core several weeks ago in episode number 147. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to what clutter core means. But maximalism, of course, is opposite of minimalism. And it's something where you have stuff, but not necessarily in excess, but you have, you, you are not afraid to decorate with comfort. You're not afraid to decorate with a lot of layers and a lot of elements in order to create and curate a look that feels a little bit more full. Quiet luxury is not that. So there's a balance between a minimalism and maximalism. Quiet luxury is very subtle. It is cohesiveness to a beautiful degree, to the 10th degree. If you've been around for a while, you know that repetition is the key to great design and repetition is a key to creating a cohesive looking home. And quiet luxury is very cohesive in its subtlety. So a lot of the color palettes in quiet luxury homes have a real, just a real subtle palette. The walls can be dark, but a lot of times they are light. And what's happening with the elements inside, there's warmth that is brought in with wood tones. So the natural element that we talked about, there might be color, but it is very subtle. It is muted. It is understated. Studio McGee from Target, that brand really comes to mind in terms of the idea of subtle colors, but Studio McGee itself is not the definition of quiet luxury. There are, of course, elements, and if you are wanting to try and experiment bringing in quiet luxury into your home, do browse those aisles. <clears throat> browse the ideas for inspiration. But the thing that sets quiet luxury apart from what we see with Studio McGee, for example, is the refinement. And although Studio McGee is so lovely, it's lacking the refinement. It's lacking that kind of crisp collar look. It's lacking that you can tell the quality of the texture, the quality of the material just by looking at it. You don't even have to feel it to know the quality. And it's definitely lacking the curated look. 
the rarity look, the the rarity factor, the I found it here and you are not going to find that piece anywhere else. (laughs) Quiet luxury is all of those things. It is a curated look with pieces that are quality coming together in a very cohesive way. And anytime you shop for your home decor items at a big box store, you can sometimes negate quality. You can sometimes negate a curated look. You can sometimes negate the idea of your home being uniquely sophisticated, like the quiet luxury style. So how do you create that then? If you're saying, but Studio McGee, even though it's subtle and it looks really nice, but that's not really fitting the bill, how do you get it? How do you create this in your own space? So that's what we're going to talk about now. You want to focus on quality and craftsmanship. And you focus on those things first before the price point and the accessibility. Urge, are you now just scratching your head and thinking, but this is a budget podcast? (laughs) Yes, it is. And I do strongly feel like there are ways you can still attain quality and craftsmanship on a budget. So stick with me. Don't turn me off because I'm going to tell you all my secrets in just a second. But a lot of times too, when you're investing in a piece in your home, you know, one of the things that that we do naturally is we look for the sale or we look for the convenience of it. How many of us have gone and knowing that we need a couch and we go and find the one at Costco because, well, it's at Costco and we love Costco. Return policies are great. Prices are generally great. And, oh, it's kind of in the color palette I kind of think I need. That is the type of shopping that will push you away from creating a quiet, luxurious home and retraining your your habit of I need to plan first and then I need to be patient. In fact, I need to be really patient because I'm going to invest in a quality piece that is going to last me 15 years rather than four because of the price point. I have had clients over the years who have fallen into that trap and sadly they have not come out of it. They are still in that trap of, but this was a $400 couch and this was what was in my budget and it will work and will this do? And the short answer is often, yes, that will do. But do you want to be spending another $400 three years from now when when your kids have jumped on the couch and it is now broken? So being mindful of that, if you are wanting to create a home that looks and feels curated with timeless and quality pieces, is something that is still attainable. And in Home Design 101, when it reopens in at the end of the summer, that is something we talk about. We talk about how you can move your budget, how you can create your budget in order to be in alignment realistically with what you're bringing in and where you need to start and stop in order to make the changes that are in alignment with what you have right now. It's one of the things I really love about the way that I teach using your money and using your money wisely, because there are changes that you can make that make big impact. If our goal is quiet luxury home, there are things you can do right now today that could get you a step closer there without having it, without needing to have the patience, the budget, or the time in order to wait to get the quality piece. So keep an eye on that. If you are not signed up for my newsletter, if we are not design besties, 
I want you to send me an email, hello at figandfarmathome.com, so that you can say, hey, I want to be on the wait list for Home Design 101 when it opens. Make sure that you're on there because those, I was going to say kiddos, you can tell how many years I've been teaching first grade. Those kiddos, <laughs> those design besties who are on my newsletter, they get the first release. They get the first option to access Home Design 101 before it's released out here on the podcast. So five steps to creating a quiet, luxurious home. Number one, we already talked about that, focus on the quality and the craftsmanship of the furniture and the decor. And that might mean packing your patience and waiting a bit. Number two, choose custom and personalized pieces. In the design world, we call that bespoke. Basically, it means custom. It's a fancy way. And where do you get those? We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But if you choose custom and personalized, you won't be shopping at Target. You won't be shopping at Walmart. Number three, number three, go old, not bold. Just remember that rule in general. (laughs) Go old. Older is generally better craftsmanship and better quality, but older is going to look curated. Now, all old pieces aren't created equal, so you do want to make sure that you check to make sure that it is in working order. And number four, invest in art that you love. One of the things that can quickly, I don't like the word cheapen, but that's the word I'm going to use here, cheapen or take down the look of your home is with art that is from a big box store. When you have something that is a little bit more bespoke, a little bit more custom, it can look a little bit more more refined and a little bit more elevated. So getting your art from from the aisles of Target, from at home, from home goods, maybe there's something you can do to it to make it look a little bit more custom than it does in its current state in the way that you bought it. And the bottom line, number five, is no trends. Avoid the trends. All right, so now you know what it is and how to make it happen in your home, but where do you get the pieces? Shopping at thrift stores is one of my very favorites, and there is some strategy when you do shop at thrift stores, so I want you to go back and listen to episodes number 44 and 47, where I talk about how to make your time efficient and the 10 things that I always look for when I'm out shopping at thrift stores. The other place could be garage sales and estate sales. I've mentioned before that estate sales feel very different to me than garage sales because it's generally in combination and correlation with the person passing. So my heartstrings are really attached to that even though I don't know the person. Prices are a lot higher at estate sales, but oftentimes you will find some really lovely pieces. But garage sales, garage sales are going to be a little bit more affordable and sometimes there's going to be a lot of sifting through, quite honestly, junk. But you never know. You never know. If you have a morning, a Saturday morning that you have free, grab a friend, grab a coffee, and go garage sailing. There are always treasures ready to be had. But my very favorite is to go to flea markets. Now, flea markets can range so wildly from food vendors to food trucks to refurbished furniture to what looks like a garage sale just threw up on a booth. (laughs) Find your flea market or find your vintage market. Find one of those and those are going to be 
generally a little less expensive than they would be in an antique store or even a vintage booth. Now, I do have several tips for you for how to shop flea markets. There's etiquette to use in case you think, gosh, can I haggle? Can I ask for a better price? Yeah, you can, but you need to do it kindly. And there are phrases you might want to use that could elicit a better return for you. There are all kinds of tips I have for you and a state-by-state guide for flea markets that are highly recommended across the country. Now, this list is not exhaustive. I have at least one for every state. Of course, I have multiple for my state of Washington, but these are ones worth checking out. And if you know of flea markets in your area that you would highly, highly recommend, I want you to email me, hello at figandfarmathome.com, or send me a DM and tell me where you go to a flea market so that I can make sure I put it on the list. But if you want that list, if you want the, the guide for flea market etiquette, I want you to go to the link in the show notes and you can get that guide there. And if you're thinking, gosh, I wish flea markets had an online space. I don't necessarily have time to drive because sometimes flea markets are not in your area. Sometimes they are three hours away. And you might be thinking, I want the convenience of having a flea market online. Well, good news and bad news. There are such things, but these are not necessarily flea markets. These are more highly, highly curated shops that you can shop online to find the rare items that you might at a flea market, but the prices you're going to pay for it. So some of the sites you might go to are First Dibs. You might go to Cherish, and that is uh, C-H-A-I-R-ish. You might go to Curio. Those are all high-end, high-quality places where you can curate one-of-a-kind, maybe not one-of-a-kind, but definitely you're not going to find it in your neighbor's home. The other place, too, that's a little bit more attainable price point-wise is Etsy. There are so many vintage retailers on Etsy. Prices are going to vary, but the people who are selling on Etsy, generally the people who are selling at the flea markets and in you know, shops, local boutiques and things, They've done their research. So the price is not going to be a garage sale price is basically what I'm trying to say. There is quality in some of those pieces. They have been found for you. But just be mindful of the idea that just because it's sold online, just because it's sold at a flea market doesn't necessarily mean it is a garage sale price. In fact, it is not going to be because flea markets are not garage sale. These are curated pieces that are meant to be used in a way to curate your home, in a way to make your home look and feel set apart from the person next door, from the person who is shopping the spring collection at Target. And then of course, one of my very favorites that I've mentioned several times is shopping a local vintage or antique market. Oftentimes they have little antique malls. If you find a vendor, find a booth that you resonate with, that you think, oh, this person, this style is so me. Every every piece in here I could see in my home. And if you are looking for a specific piece, reach out to that vendor because they are constantly going and they're constantly on the hunt and you already know that your aesthetic is in alignment with theirs. Reach out and ask them, hey, if you are out and about, this is what I'm looking for. Would you mind keeping an eye out for it? just keep in mind that there will probably be a finder's fee. 
All right, friends, make sure you grab that flea market state-by-state guide and the tips for how to shop flea markets successfully, because you definitely want to spend more than half an hour there. (laughs) Grab that in the link in the show notes. And one more thing before we go, you may have noticed that I have taken Tuesdays off. There have only been one episode a week since April-ish. And that was because life was busy, extremely busy. And if you want to know why, send me that question. Because remember, next week I am the open book. So make sure you send that question. But if you are interested in having Quick Tip Tuesdays back, back throughout the summer, back on the plate, send me your questions. Those tips and and answers are designed specifically for you based on what it is you want to know. And I don't know what you don't know. So make sure you send me those questions all the ways that I've mentioned before. I'm going to link every single way you can contact me in the show notes and make sure that you reach out. If you want Quick Tip Tuesday back, I've got to hear from you. Let me know that that is something that you want, something that is worth my time creating for you, and I would be happy, happy to reinstate it. All right, friends, until next time, until next week, when we have our two-year podcast anniversary, I will see you soon. Hey, real quick before you go, if you learned something new or found value in today's podcast, would you head over to iTunes to Fig and Farm at Home and leave a review and subscribe to the show? That would be awesome. And if you'd like to connect with my community of mamas who are learning to be intentional storytellers within their own homes, join us at bit.ly forward slash design 101 group. There's always more room at the table. See you soon.